All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to the DFO Rundown, episode 56. I'm Jason Greger, along with Frank Saravalli, once again coming to you live from our good friends, the woodjersey.com studio. Got my Boston Bruins, although I'm excited because I'm getting some new ones. Coming in, I should see those uh, next week on the pod. And Frank uh, is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, The jersey is not under construction, although his uh, home studio is under uh, construction. But you'll you'll see that uh, fine NHL licensed product, courtesy of woodjerseys.com. Go there, order your team. It looks awesome in your home office, your work office, your man cave, your fan cave, wherever it is. Uh, Frank, what's happening, man? Uh, How's the Renos coming? Yeah, not bad. Just reimagining the studio here. So uh, came up to the upstairs office uh, at some point. We'll invariably have a kid run in and 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 check in and say what's up. But um, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to a new look. We've got a new show launching in October, a daily streaming show on dailyfaceoff.com. Can't reveal all the details just yet, but wanted to change up the look and make things look a little bit better in the studio. Oh, that's going to be great. Maybe you could be like that. Uh, I still remember the, the, I think it was an English father on like. Yeah. BBC. BBC. And uh, the best was maybe like, I don't know if your wife could be as good as the, uh, the nanny was when she crawled in to pull the kids out. That might've been the favorite part of that clip for me. Yeah. That would be, uh, I think my wife would, that's like zero F's given there. Like she would just yeah. walk in and, and grab uh, my son or daughter, but, um, actually that did happen once when I was on air. Um, my son came in and he, if you watch, I'll, I have the clip, I can send it to you. If you watch, 
he's like tugging on my arm. You see this little arm come into the shot and he grabs my arm and you can kind of see me like trying to brush him off as I'm talking and, uh, poorly trying to keep my train of thought hard. That's what's hard to do is you're, you're in the interview and you're, you're trying to answer a question and you, you can't keep your focus. Yeah. Well, uh, having done my radio show now at home for, Oh, I don't know what it is close to 18 months. Um, every now and then my, uh, my son, especially in the summertime, uh, they'll wheel downstairs, him and his buddies. And before they close the door, you know, you can hear all the stuff, but I've done my show in a bar for, for many years. So Live for me, studio it's, audience, it's kind of, it's not, not that big of a deal. You get used to having a few, like the bar was, you know, I've, I used to do uh post games from bars and you'd have uh, a few buckle people coming up to you. So that was do, always, uh, always, do you, do you like working from home? Uh, you know what? I actually love it. It's uh, I got myself uh, my, a stand-up desk, so I'm not sitting all the time and go up or down. Uh, it just saves me a lot in commuting. Um, you know, the, the, the days when, and Struds comes to my house uh, most days to, to do it. There's the odd time when uh, just our schedules doesn't work. So he'll, he'll do it from home, but I actually don't mind it at all. To, to be honest, I've kind of gotten used to it. I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I, I like the uh, the setup. It's really easy now with the advancements of technology. You just plug in an ISDN line, right? It's like a phone line into your wall and you've got uh, radio quality. So I actually really like it. I will. Uh, um, but the stand up desk has probably been the biggest thing for me. My doc said I needed to be at a stand up desk. Can't sit straight for four hours anymore. So um, uh, until they get a stand up desk at the studio, I don't know if I'll be going back. Yeah, I need uh, I need something. I think I've been working from home kind of forever uh, since I stopped covering the flyers and transitioned to more of a national role. I've always been at home. And so when the pandemic hit, it wasn't really that much of a change for me. It was really more, um, you know, tr- you know, being home more often, I guess mm-hmm. is really what it was with the pandemic, not traveling as much. And, you know, I went from, you know, flying a hundred thousand miles a year to basically not getting on a plane for 14, 16, 18 months. And so that was really the big adjustment for me, but I, I really enjoy working from home. I found a way to be, you know, really productive. And I think that's what a lot of people have found across many workplaces and, and different job lines. Well, I found in the summertime, the best coffee breaks were shooting hoops or, or playing uh, mini sticks with my son. And I was just like, I felt I was, I was way more productive because he would tell me, Hey dad, we're, you know, and so he'd ask, so I'd say, okay, I'll play with you at 10, 15. So, and once 10, 15 comes, anybody who has a seven-year-old will know they're like, Hey, it's 10, 15, like not two more minutes. So it's like, all right. And away you go. And I, you know, we play for 20 minutes sometimes and go, he got into basketball. So we're shooting hoops outside. And I came back and I felt like it was much better. I was actually more productive because it's like anything you want to move, but you know, you just, it takes my mind off of it for a while. So I actually kind of miss when he goes back to school because my wife really doesn't like playing mini sticks. So, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Uh, She's into cross country skiing. And while I really like it, it's not nearly as fun. Yeah. I I could imagine Uh, cross country skiing. Like that's a hard no for me. I don't know. Like that's not even a, what is that? It's not even a sport. It it is an unbelievable cardio, but I will say, cause that's what I'm saying. I I have no, look at me. Do do I look like anyone that has any interest in any cardio at all? You can get the great part is you can always get back in shape. All right. All right. So that's, it's not like you you have to be be permanently out of shape. You can always get back in and cross country skiing. um, The first time I went like five feet and I fell down and I have a tendency 
like when I work at my farm, like with, when my late father, him and I work together, we just like, we could snap really quick. And so I'm there at the cross country skis and I can't get up. And I'm like, I'm like, thank God there's no video here. Cause I'm about to snap. And there's these <laughs> old senior ladies coming by. Right. And they're just, it's like, they're mocking me. And it took me literally like four minutes to figure out how to get up. And like, I was about to snap. But then once I got going, I would have paid to see in, that, by the way. Oh, I got the rhythm going. Cross country skiing's hard. Like it was like when I was done, we did 45 minutes. Like I and I work out, but I'm like, man, like this is hard. So I actually like it because I we go. There's a little trail around where we live in St. Albert. And it's all through the trees, so it's quite nice, right? They groom it, so they have like a proper path that's groomed by the city. And you go, and it's 45-minute lap. And, man, when I'm done, like, I'm just sweating bullets. It's a really good workout. So I like it because it gets me outside. I love being outside. I'm a farm kid. And uh, this gets me a good workout. And then I'm like, all right. So we now what we did last winter is we would drop our son off at school at 845 and go right to our ski. So I'd be back home, done my workout at 945. It sounds awesome, but like my only question would be, is there a hut where you can get food at some point along the way? <laughs> like like no, that like no. see that's that's where cross country <laughs> skiing would like would interest me is like can I get a beverage at some yeah, point? Yeah, well you could stop, I guess, and get a hot chocolate on the way home. Well I, something. Yeah. I like yeah. you know, yeah. You could bring your ro- we could get roasty coffee with Bailey's, isn't that what hey, you're Yeah, I've got for? a little roasty coffee in here, a little uh Brazilian yellow bourbon this morning from roasty.ca. Yeah. And the funny thing is you drink so much coffee that you don't even have your coffee mug. See my roasty one. I'm not as, I'm not as avid of a coffee drinker as you. Yeah. So I don't, you know, my mug can last probably a month where uh, like yours the gets that brown been, Yeah. The roasty's in the wash right now. So I've got this yeah. one. It's the, uh, it's the Canadian dictionary. Oh, the toque. Yeah. The, the toque, toque, man. Hey, you, you know what's about great the about the toque in, in Cincinnati, they thought it. They called it to. I remember I met these girls in um, Costa Rica, and they we were debating because we're explaining where I'm from. I'm like, yeah, it's cold. You wear a toque, and the girl looks at me like I'm an alien. I'm like, what? She's like, you wear a toque. I'm like, where do you wear it? I'm like, on my head. And she, they called it toboggan. Toboggan. Toque. Yeah. Like you want to go for a ride on a toboggan? Yeah. Well, that's what they call the toque. I couldn't believe it. I was like, we just call it a winter hat here. A winter hat. Yeah. Everybody's got different names for it, but yeah. Since, shout out to so that's Cincinnati. why i have the that's why i have the mug though nice so i can i know now let's I know. go hey speaking of the uh the dictionary what would your mug say if you were in arizona right now the coyote situation this is it's been a lot i don't know if there's ever been a better feud between a hockey team and the city uh board that they play in but uh oh, there's uh, been looks, some good ones yeah Pittsburgh, like, i can think of a few <laughs> arizona um now gary bettman said he thinks this is just a negotiating ploy but uh, the Glendale's like, no, 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 no. We're we're done. So they have one more season. What do you make of it, Frank? I, I don't think it's a negotiating ploy at all. First off, they need to renovate the building a little bit and bring it up to today's modern standards. It's 18 years old. And, you know, at that point, you know, funny enough, 18-year-old building is almost halfway through its useful life. So that's one. And, and I think they've done the calculus. If you read the story from Katie Strang in The Athletic, they said we only need 20 more concert dates to make up for 41 Coyotes and that was 45 a- Coyotes home dates. Yeah, and that's 10,000 fans only. So it just tells you you know sort of the lack of revenue that the the Arizona Coyotes are bringing in in general. I think the argument in Arizona has always been that that arena is improperly located mm-hmm. that it should be in the East Valley or in Scottsdale near where your fan base is. And that a lot of them are, and I've done that drive. Anytime I go there, I try and stay in Scottsdale because 
I love old town and the nightlife there. And it's a 45 minute drive that you're not really on the highway for. That's a pain to get over to the arena. And, and if you do take the highway, it's traffic. So it's just not in the right spot. And I think everyone knows that. Now the question is, obviously you're not going to get an arena built in a year. No. Can they work out some sort of short term, you know, an additional year lease to keep the team there? Or does the team have to temporary temporarily relocate Uh, The one interesting caveat is I do think that the Arizona State Sun Devils, if my memory serves me correctly, they're building a brand new arena that's supposed to open in Tempe uh, in short order. I think the steel is up and they're putting the stands in place now that I would imagine that would be finished in time for next hockey season. Could they temporarily play there in in a small five to eight thousand seat arena for the year? if they could work out in an arena deal somewhere else in the city, if not, you know, everyone started going to the, well, Oh, they can go to Quebec city. They can do this. They can do that. It would be Houston. It would be Houston every day. You of think the it's week. Houston. What about KC, man? They got an unreal arena in Kansas. So, but so does Houston. Houston yeah. not only has that, but they have an owner in Tillman Fertitta, I think is his name that he, he owns the Rockets he wants an NHL team. He's already met with the NHL and has already gone down that path, you know, to bring a team in for the year and in a, in an NBA building, which can host the NHL and has the capabilities. That's the win is, is the reason why the NHL has dug in for so long is that Phoenix, the Phoenix Metro area is the fifth largest in the United States population wise. It's Phoenix five, Philadelphia six, That's how I know that. And in this case, they'd want to keep the NHL and NHL team in a really large market. And that's what Houston provides is that sort of top 10, you know, big city feel that you can another transient city where hopefully you get enough people that are transplants from somewhere else that are hockey fans and that would want to, you know, be part of a team there. So not only that, but damn, does it fit the central division that Arizona is already playing in really well. So if I had to pick a spot for them to go somewhere else temporarily, that would be the place. And then maybe they move back to Arizona. Maybe they don't, maybe they don't move at all. Who knows? Maybe they can work out some sort of short-term lease in Glendale to stay there. Who knows? Yeah. The the central division makes a lot of sense. And and that's why on a one year span, like if, if I'm the owner of the Houston Rockets and like unless Arizona wants to sell in the team, I guess you want to show the league you can have a team for a year, but it's not really your city. So where the fans really going to come like that's. And then know. they're not going to go to 33 teams. No, 33 doesn't make sense at all. So I, uh, you know, like Arizona's being the one team that many people felt would relocate, I think, in the in the last decade of, of all the teams financially. Uh, Two decades. Like- like, yeah. It feels like it's forever. Yeah. Well, there's, Hey, there's been some other teams. Like it wasn't long ago that Edmonton was on life support in the, you know, in the late nineties and the Calgary flames, the New York Islanders. Like there's been lots of other teams at, uh, at different times that have had financial strife, but Arizona has never really been in a comfortable financial situation. And so and that team is going to be God awful this year. Well, that's, that's the, the other, other part of it is like, yeah. if you thought their revenue and attendance was bad previously, if you're a fan of that team and, and, you know, how one thing that drives me crazy all the time is whenever you go to an arena, they always say we have the best fans in the league. <laughs> I actually think that like the poor souls that are, that go to Arizona Coyotes games might actually be the best fans in the league. They've had very little to cheer for. 
you know, their team is constantly a mess with ownership changes, player changes, every, you know, bankruptcy, everything that you could possibly think of. Yet th- those people still show up. Yeah, they, liter- yeah. they literally might be the best fans in the league. And in this case, what's your incentive to be a fan of that team? No, like Cleveland not Brown trying fan. to be good. Like to me, best fans in the league have to be the fans who they sell out every every night for decades when their team sucks. Right. Like the Cleveland Browns, you know, the Edmonton orders in the decade of darkness, their fans still sold out that rink and their team was God awful for a lot of nights. So uh, to me, any, you know, Arizona fans, they have a small loyal base of fans and you know, the ones that are there and that that's the hard part about this is if Arizona leaves, there's going to be a percentage of fans who are gutted, right? Young kids, you know, teenagers, adults who have been huge fans. And while it's not their fault that the other people don't want to support them, it's not their fault that them and the team in the city can't get along. And that's always the, uh, the unfortunate part about it. Like relocating isn't as easy as people think, right? Because I'm always like, just think about it. What if it was your team? No one would, you wouldn't want your team to relocate. So that's why I never, I never encourage relocation for anyone. I understand the business side of it and why it happens, but it, it guts a lot of fans where, you know, like sports can be such a, a passionate release for them. It's, it's entertainment. They really get involved. They feel part of it. And then it's gone. Like I talked, I know fans who, you know, who have lost their team, like buddies of mine from Winnipeg. And they said like, you know, even though they got the jets back, like for, does it feel the same? For 15 years, though, they, you know, like they watched. They the were NHL, nomads. But they didn't. Yeah, it was brutal. So I, uh, I hope for the for the diehard Arizona fans, they don't have to endure that because it would suck. I don't care what city you're in. I don't care what the percentage of fans that go to games are. For the ones that have committed year after year, it would suck. Yeah, I'm with you. I just, you know, they're late on their payments. Yeah, according to the report, and that's been a consistent theme you know, what, how does this team finally dig itself out of the hole that it's seemingly been in forever? Part of it is just, you know, in addition to having the arena in the wrong place, the team's been no good. Like it's hard to sell all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, that might be the toughest, you know, we were just talking about some of the best fans in the league. That might be the toughest spot in the league to work. I mean, and I'm not talking about, you know, the head coach and what Rick Tockett just went through in his, in his experience in Arizona, but I'm talking about the people that are trying to sell that team from a ticket oh. standpoint and, and marketing and sponsorship standpoint, like good luck. Yeah, that would be uh, it would be tough. Now you go from the one end and then you go across the country uh, to, to one of the best cities in, in North America, definitely one of the biggest cities. And uh, Henrik Lundqvist, arguably the best looking NHL player in the last 50 years. I don't think there's much debate on that. Like uh, he's a pretty dude, like very attractive man. And uh, he announced today that that, uh, he 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 announced his retirement. Frank, not not a huge surprise, a little disappointing because of you know what happened last year, where you know due due to the uh, to the to the heart issues he had, he was unable to to finish his career probably in the fashion he wanted to. But man, he had a stellar career for a long time. Unbelievable run, and in in some ways, it's kind of fitting that as tough as the ordeal that he went through, and and thankfully, you know, a life saving procedure to. Uh, fix the the issue with his heart that they picked up uh, before he went to Washington. I think they had some sense of in in New York, but didn't have the full scope of it. Um, that he never really played a game in Washington because it, it was kind of like the idea of Henrik Lundqvist wearing anything but a Rangers sweater to me would have been as jarring as Marty Brodeur wearing a Blues jersey. Like that just never looked felt 
you know, it, it was never right to me. And so, um, I'm kind of glad in that sense that like some, some players, some, you know, some teams, they should just always sort of be connected and to have Henrik Lundqvist ultimately go out, not playing for any other team other than the New York Rangers, I think, uh, to me is, is, is so fitting. And it, it reminds me too, um, in an odd way, you just, when a player retires, you think, you know, and by the way, just some background on Henrik Lundqvist, he really did make a, a significant attempt here in the last, you know, number of months in and out of doctor's appointments and visits yeah. to try and get healthy and, and continue to skate, uh, continue to, to take shots. You know, there were teams that were interested in his services and free agency that were saying, look, if you're healthy and you have the green light from your doctors, we're interested in signing you to come uh, be a part of our team as a veteran backup that can help steer a young guy. And so there was lots of interest on that front and just, you know, couldn't get it to work out either from a doctor's perspective or just, you know, maybe after being off the ice for so long that, you know, just didn't work out for Henrik Lundqvist. But it's funny, next time we get Craig Button on, I want him to tell this story because, you know, he relays it so well of Henrik Lundqvist and his draft. Um, he ends up being picked, of course, by the New York Rangers, but the Dallas Stars selected his brother, Joel, his twin brother. I believe it was in the third round. And, and Craig Button tells this story, having known and worked with Bob Ganey so long, just, you know, Bob Ganey was sitting at the table. Like he was looking in the stands, seeing Henrik Lundqvist, a dejected Henrik Lundqvist. Like, can we just pick his brother too? Like, like guys, I'll go out and get an extra pick. If we can just, let's just take the brother. Like he, he just, you know, it, it's a sad story to me to, to not have him be selected. And like, they're all sitting there like, nah, we're good. We don't need this guy. Like we're, we're good in net. We don't need a goalie. We don't know if this guy's any good. And of course he goes on to have this hall of fame career. And so it's just funny how it works draft day. You never know, you never know yeah. what you're, you're getting. And um, you know, what a, what an unbelievable career. Oh, fantastic career. Uh, really good ambassador and spokesperson, I think for that organization for a long time. And uh, well, he didn't get a, a Stanley cup ring. He went to the Stanley cup finals. He had an unreal career. I'm, I'm a big believer, you, you know, Stanley cup ring obviously is the cherry on top for, for no question, but uh, not having one in a 32 team league. Now that's going to become more the norm than the exception moving forward. Right. As, as the league has expanded, you know, when in the six team era, if you didn't have a cup ring in the six team era, I could see that being frustration, but you know, then you got up to 12 teams and 16 and then to 21 for a decade or so. And then slowly, you know, climb 22, 24, 26, 28 and now we're up to 32 the truth is you're going to have the vast majority of players including some great ones who aren't ever going to get a stanley cup ring it's just because it's way too hard the odds are just way less in your favor and i think there's going to be more henrik lundquists then there's going to be fewer like you know joe thornton another guy who's had an unbelievable career he's continued in in florida and if you know now, maybe he plays another year. We'll never know. But if he doesn't win in Florida, there's another guy who's a sure fire first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not going to have a Stanley Cup ring. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all with Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, that if you look at some of the teams that he played on, they weren't very good. Yeah. And then that's really kind of the thing that stands out is what he was able to do and, and what he was able to add to those teams to help get them you know, to, to be knocking on the door in the Stanley Cup final in 2014 against Los Angeles, for instance. So, um you know, just a fantastic career. And and I, I do need to quibble though, with one thing you said, did you say New York is one of the best cities? I'm sorry. I did the guy from Philly. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Say you don't like New York? No, I, I really, I I'm not a New York guy. Okay. I, I lived there for a bit. Uh, went to Columbia. I, I just, I, I, I can't like, 
it doesn't, uh, I, I need a shower every time I go there. See, you know what? I, I will. Here's what I'll say. I think New York's one of the best cities to visit. I never lived there. So I've only been there in short stints. And for short stints, like, man, it was, it was sensation overload. There was so much going on. Uh, you know, one of our, our good girl buddies growing up, she's a lawyer now in New York. And so when we went there, she, we went for the U S open for tennis. And so, you know, you're taking the subway train and, and like the thing about New York that got me though, was just the stench in certain places. Like you're it in never there in August and i'm just like oh my goodness man like maybe you get used to it because you live there but i will say for a city to visit like it had so much i loved it but i could see how maybe it's living overwhelming there would be though like you're everywhere you go is a hassle like yeah. there's people everywhere there's traffic everywhere everything's in your way the, the really nice thing is just the availability of everything like yes. you can snap your fingers and and get whatever you want or whatever you need and in a lot of cases delivered to your door in an hour which is like it, it's still mind blowing that that's the way the world works but i mean i don't know it's just too much for me like i i think a city like philly for instance just an hour and a half down the road you have all the same sort of experiences and all the same things, you know, most of the same things you can do, yet it's much more manageable and it doesn't stink. Yeah, the one thing about Philly that blew my mind the first time I flew into Philadelphia, I'd never been there. And and I had to drive because I was driving, I was doing I was doing play-by-play uh, -play on uh, mixed martial arts fights at the time. And You went to Atlantic City. Yeah, and I get off at the airport and so I get my rental car and I'm driving and I was amazed at these massive bridges and just how high they were. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, and I'm a, like, I'm not a great builder of stuff, but I really appreciate those sorts of, and I'm just like, how'd they build this way back when? I'm always like, I wonder how, well, cause I do research. I'm just curious about when was this bridge built? Because when you look back at some of the stuff that's been built over time and when people built it, you're just like, how they do it? Like you go back to the pyramids, they still don't, they can't figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. But the bridges in Philly were the thing that stood out to me the most. And you know, drove by and you know, you see, of course, uh, I saw all the stadiums where I was driving from the airport out to, to Atlantic City. And I'm like, man, and I did. And then when I came back, we spent the night in Philly and we had a lot of fun. But the first thing that stood out to me was just the, the, the size of the bridges were like, I don't know if there's a lot of cities like that, but that seemed abnormal to me. I thought it was pretty cool. The, the, the bridges are so big here because Philly, believe it or not, and this is a fun fact, if you're listening, is Philly's the largest freshwater port in the United States because really? of the Delaware river. Yeah. And the number of cargo ships that come up through the Delaware Bay and unload there because it's more accessible and in, more inexpensive than some of the other uh, seawater ports like New York or New Jersey, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier to do business. And so that's okay. a big reason why the bridges are so big because they get those humongous cargo ships that come in and dock right there near the bridges. Uh, and I, I know that, I know Frank, you probably can't stand a big rivalry of yours, but you know what? Another place I really like is Pittsburgh. And I will say Pittsburgh stadium front is incredible. And the Roberto Clemente is the greatest statue I've ever seen. All their statues they have, every team should say, we need to do statues like that. Because if you look at like Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time, in my opinion, his statue looks like a souvenir statue compared to Clemente's. I can't picture the Clemente. I, I when you said Roberto Clemente, all I could think of was the speaking of bridges was the bridge that leads to the ballpark right yes. there from I downtown. Know. Yeah, a fa another fantastic bridge, but not big. And you're right. I actually Pittsburgh has grown on me a ton, and it's not a rivalry thing. Like when I first started going there, 12, 14, 15 years ago, regularly for work, 
it wasn't nearly kind of as built up as it, as it is. It's been a big tech hub. And so it's really sort of grown a bit okay. and every, I think everything's gotten better there. The restaurant scene, the nightlife, like it, it's sort of become a much more livable place instead of a place where everyone lives in the suburbs. And so um, that, and plus the new arena, once they yes. demolished melon arena, thankfully, um, I think that made it a lot more fun place. To yeah. When they hosted the draft, I've had a lot of fun there. So, uh, get, yeah. get Philly. I, I want Philly to host the draft so I can go. So get on that, Frank. Um, let's welcome in producer Ty for our weekly buy or sell. Yes. Buy or sell brought to you by our friends at DoorDash, where we have the promo code rundown DD gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app, so check it out. You don't want to cook on the weekend. Come on. Uh, your first buy or sell question. Uh, we're going to focus. I got a couple I don't of betting cook ever, by the way. <laughs> well, there you go, Frank. Maybe you're going to yeah use the promo code. Uh, we're going to get I'm going to get some betting questions later on. But first, I want to talk about a couple teams that I think may or may not make the playoffs out west. And the first one's the Minnesota Wild. And I mean, the cappers off thing is still up in the air. I don't love what they did this offseason either. And I think they're in a pretty tough division. So I'm going to say the Minnesota Wild failed to make the playoffs next season. Frank, you buying or selling? Selling. I think that team's on the rise. I think they've made some smart moves. I think the way that they've, they're well positioned moving forward, they're going to get Kaprizov done. They'll find a way it's going to be, it's going to be four or five years. I think, um, you know, we'll see where that number ends up coming in at, but I think, you know, even going back to the central, uh, I think that Minnesota team is in a fine spot moving forward. Yeah, I'm I'm selling as well. I, I look at them. I will say this though: I think the uh, the Chicago ha- has improved a lot. I, I think Chicago. Agreed. You know, you get Taves, you get Doc. They've got Jones. They've got Flurry. I really like the McCabe sign. It's kind of not a lot of people are talking about it. He's a hell of a defenseman, and so they're gonna they're gonna push in, in that division. But I still think you know Colorado's obviously the class. But Minnesota, man, like Minnesota was really good last year. Really mm-hmm. good. And you know, were losing a couple points away from the president's trophy. Like when the, when the thing was going out in the last few days of the season, who can still win? They were one of the three teams left. Yeah. And you know, like losing Suter, I think hurts. Um, it's definitely going to crush them in a few years when they got all the dead cap space, but losing Parise is, isn't going to hurt them at all. Really. I don't believe at this point, but uh, I still think Minnesota's in for sure. They're a top four team. Going to the next one, then a team that I think will sneak into the playoffs is the LA Kings. Uh, Again, the Pacific division is not going to be that great. And I like what LA did. They got some good young talent coming up. So Jason, you buying or selling on the LA Kings making the playoffs? I think I'm going to sell. I look at, I know young players, it's it's great to, to have young players in, but until young players can prove they can play, uh, and and contribute every night. I'm not sure uh, they have enough in, in LA. I think LA is going to be an improved team. I think they're going to be around the hunt, but I think ultimately LA ends up being four or six points shy of a playoff spot. I'm going to buy. Um, so my two stone cold mortal lock playoff teams in the Pacific are Vegas and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the last two spots. And, you know, it's probably not going to be a fifth spot because I I'd imagine the central grabs five, uh, you know, in in that case, that mean they could, right. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I, am thinking that last spot comes down to Calgary, LA or Vancouver. I I don't know that Seattle's quite in that mix and, and obviously, you know, don't speak too soon. We learn that from Vegas and, and see how that team is competitive right off the hop. But I, I think it's down to those three teams for that last spot. 
The Carolina Hurricanes are plus 370 to win their division, and they're actually the favorites to win uh, the Metropolitan Division next season. Uh, if I could, I would take the field. I know the odds wouldn't be good on that, but I'll say the Carolina Hurricanes, even though they're the betting odds favorites, they don't win their division next season. Frank, you buying or selling? I'm selling. I think Carolina's really good. Like I, I think they were in a tougher division last year, and I think them coming back to the Metro – you know, everyone was saying, oh, good on them for getting away from the Metro last year. I, I think in some ways it ended up being more difficult. Um, and I, I'm just sizing up sort of how I think that division shapes up. I mean, the only team that I think could really give them a win, a run for their money to win the division is the Islanders. And, and other than that, I think that's it. Hmm. I'm going to sell... Just because the odds are too good in my favor here. I've got, I got, I can get the Capitals and get the Flyers and get the Penguins. Of course, uh, Frank said the Islanders. Uh, I think the new, I think the Rangers, if they can not uh, stub their toe out of the gate like they have the last two years, they can be a playoff team, right? Uh, obviously, Zibanejad had some uh, issues with COVID, so that played a part in it. But man, if the Rangers are ready to roll at the start of the season, I think they're really going to push to be a playoff team. And the other thing is the Philadelphia Flyers are poised for a bounce back season. There's no way Carter Hart's going to be bad as he was last season. I think there was a lot of you know off the ice things that went on and you know, isolation and things like that. I think that division is going to be very tough. And I could easily see similar to what we saw last year uh, where you had three teams all within two or three points. I think Carolina is right there, but I, I agree with Frank on the Islanders and I just have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Washington or Philly, one of those two teams is going to make a big push to win that division. Yeah, I like the Canes too. I think they they could come second, third pretty easily, but I just think that division is so good that one of those teams might really surprise us with how well they do next season. Uh, going to some potential awards races, Cole Caulfield opened up at plus 125 to win the Calder Trophy, so he's almost even money. You could pretty much take Caulfield or the field at that point. Um, I'm going to say he doesn't win the Calder. I'm going to say someone comes from behind and surprises us and steals the Calder Trophy away from Cole Caulfield. So some of the, some of the other names here on the list um, for the for the Calder Trophy, I just need to uh, to find oh, a spot yeah, to pull it up. Uh, se second on the list is going to be Trevor Zegras. This uh, is courtesy of. Uh, Bodog, by the way, uh, Lucas Raymond is plus 250. Vasily Podkolzin is plus 750. Quinton Byfield at 12 to 1. Alex Newhook, 3 to 1. And Spencer Knight at plus 800. Oh, I like Spencer Knight in that case. I think if he's, he's their starting the, goalie and they make yeah, the playoffs, that's an easy he's call. Carrying, he's carrying the ball, I think. And that I think that I was when you said um, when you said Cole Caulfield, I was just thinking, and not to say that he's not going to have a great year because I think in the playoffs he showed that he's quite clearly capable of it. It's different, I think, to do it over a full eighty-two game season, which that's going to be his challenge. But this, it struck me as this is a year or an opportunity where someone that's a goalie or a defenseman could step yeah. up and win it. And I think Spencer Knight, man, he's like that's going to be one of the most interesting dynamics to watch in the league cool. this season is. Knight and Bobrovsky and how that whole thing plays out and how Joel Quenville manages all of that, because you've got the $10 million guy and you've got the upstart rookie who could, you know, quite clearly be better than him right from the hop. So, so let's Frank, say you're buying on that. Jason, you buying or selling on Caulfield, not winning the Calder. Uh, oh, I'm going to sell. I'm taking the odds, man. Taking the odds. The odds are in my favor here that he's not going to win. And a lot of times the favorite never wins. Mm -hmm. You look at the last few years, you know, the favorite for the Calder, there's, you know, there's other guys. No one had Caprice off last year. Um, so I, uh, 
I look at it and who it was Alexi Lafreniere last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Hey, it's smart. You know, the good news is I don't think there's going to be anybody from the 2021 draft class who's going to play, right? We know that Owen powers is wisely going back to junior with a lot of guys didn't play many games last year. I think every team should be smart and send all their young players back to junior NCAA or Europe, wherever they're playing, it would be beneficial long-term for them. So I look at guys, you know, who are drafting the last few seasons and, Zegris is an interesting name to me, uh, you know, because Anaheim, they've done nothing. They literally have said, you know what? We believe we're going to improve internally. So he's going to get loads of opportunity. Now he does have Getzlaff there. Who's going to play a, a, maybe a ton of the harder minutes. So I, I, I like, I like his potential a lot. I think Montreal is a team that's poised for a step, a setback after where they went last year with their injuries and stuff. So I think that's going to play a part in it. And um, well, every, it's easier sometimes to come in when you're winning and everything's rolling. And now all of a sudden you get into the, uh, you know, the wear and tear of a long season. I still think Caulfield's probably going to score 20 goals, but he might not win, but he's not going to win the rookie. Uh, just looking, actually, the site I'm looking at had Igor Shesterkin as the favorite to win when the odds opened up last year in uh, last November before the start of the season. Uh, last one for you on buy or sell. Let's go to the Rocket Richard race. Austin Matthews plus 150 to win the Rocket Richard. I bet on him to win the Rocket last year, and I did pretty well. And I'm going right back to it. I think plus fit, plus 150 is decent odds for, for Matthews to win the Rocket again next year. Jason, you buying or selling on Matthews winning the Rocket? Well, I want Matthews to stay healthy all season long. You yeah. know, he's just, he had the, the wrist surgery now and they say he'll be ready to start the season. So hopefully he's healthy because he, you know, he's a great scorer. There's, there's no question about it. Um, the, the only reason he doesn't win is because he's not healthy. And so I never want to bet against a guy uh, not being healthy. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy that he wins simply because I'd like to see in a full season because I, I get so tired of the projections all the time. Oh, he's on pace for this. I don't give a sh what he's on pace for. Let's see what he finishes with. I'd like to see I'm him with you. play a whole he's season. He's on pace on for 73. Okay. Stop yeah. It. I'm like, stop. let's just see where he is at the end of the year. I'd love him to be someone like, you know, a 60 goal score. We haven't had one since Stamco. So let's, uh, I'd love to see him score 60. And there's, you know, with Ovi slowing down, like, you know, Connor McDavid is is probably at one point going to push for it. I really believe that. I'm just, but I think Matthews might be a better pure shooter than McDavid. Although McDavid, they spent time last summer together. And I saw it in some of the games where McDavid. So I think his best competition might be McDavid. Look, I get the injury part of it, but my God, it was sickening at some points last year, major Canadian networks tripping all over themselves saying, can Austin Matthews score a goal a game? Stop it, please. <laughs> like you're embarrassing yourself. Stop it. And that's, it's, it's not possible. It just isn't. Um, not in today's NHL and not with the length of the season, not with, you know, all that stuff. Um, Tyler, what are, since I don't have them in front of me, what are Connor McDavid's odds to win the Rocket? Connor McDavid's odds to win the Rocket. I just closed down my uh, my page, but I'll have it for you here in like two seconds. Um, the Rocket Richard, McDavid is actually at plus 190, so he'd be second on that odds list with uh, Leon Dreisaitl coming up third, and then a trio at plus 750. It's Kucherov, Rantanen, and Pasternak. Ovi's down at 12 to 1, actually. So Kucherov and Pasternak would be good value bets, I think, mm-hmm. if you wanted to throw a couple bucks on it. But for me, if if you're thinking that Matthews might have an injury issue, McDavid would be the guy. I'm really curious to see if he plays with Zach Hyman and he's getting fed the puck from Hyman and doing all the dirty work and, and takes a lot of heavy lifting off of his shoulders, man, McDavid could have an unreal season. 
Oh, yeah. Like I chuckled. Um, well, you know, when people said, oh, McDavid could score 150 points. I'm like, he was on pace for 153 last year. Like yeah. it's not his fault. The season was shorter. So if, if McDavid scores 150 points, you were just year, saying you're tired of the pace. Yeah, I know. But the difference was he played the whole season. <laughs> he played Frank. all season. Yeah, he played yeah. all season. He didn't miss any games. Yeah. He played every game. So it's not his fault that um, the season was cut short but he at least showed that potential all year long. If you look at Matthew's numbers at the end of a season, you know, the best he scored is 41 and 52, which is still really good, yeah. right? But then he scored 47 in, in 70 games the year before. Like that wasn't even close to a goal a game. So McDavid has done it, you know, every year and he's improved. And when you look at the elite players of all time, like the Gretzky's, the Lemieux's and those guys, McDavid is just entering the prime of his career. He's just starting it, which sounds crazy. And the, and the advantage that he has that Gretzky and those guys didn't have, today's athletes are trained better, they're educated better, the nutrition better. They have, you know, they have better travel, they have better rehab, everything. Their elite years last longer. So you look at McDavid, he could have another 10 years of 130 to 150 points, which might sound crazy to people, but just look at LeBron James, look at the great athletes in other sports. Mm -hmm. They're doing this all the time. They're, they're able to maintain an elite level longer than ever before, not because they're better athletes than guys in the 70s and 80s and 90s, but they're given better opportunities and science to, uh, to, mass, uh, to uh, maximize their, uh, their potential. And just in case anyone was laughing at my prediction, McDavid last year in a 56 game season over 82, he scored at a 49 goal pace. So to say he's not in the conversation would be foolish. Yeah. Well, uh, the last three years combined, Matthews 125 goals, dry saddle 124, OV 123, McDavid 108, Pasternak 106. So, you know, picking any one of those five guys would make sense. How about this one? If he gets uh, inked to a new deal, but Kirill Kaprizov at 25 to one, a little bit lower down the odds board. No, Greg, I like that a lot. Happen. That's a guy uh, that was yeah. McKinnon's at 25 to one as well. Like, I, I mean, Matthew's 40 goal pace last year for Kaprizov in a shortened yeah. season, just getting used to the league. Yeah. I'm, I'm not as, I, I think people need to pump the brakes. 25 like, to one though. Come on. Yeah. Well, it's, it's for the odds. Okay. You yeah. take the bet for the odds. Do I, but here's the thing. Sometimes you can take bets for the odds. It just, there's too many other <laughs> invariables. Like when I bet on Montreal to beat Vegas, because I got four, four and a half to odds. It was only two teams, right? It was head to head. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you gave me Kaprizov head to head against one guy with those odds different, but that's him against the yeah. whole league. There's no chance. All right, there you Book go. That it is... Right now, lock it, lock it in. <laughs> he is not winning. 40 minute and 35 second mark of the podcast. Gregor books it that uh, Kirill Kaprizov won't win. Uh, that is buy or sell brought to you by DoorDash. Use the promo code rundown DD. If you're a first time customer, it gets you 25% off and no delivery fees. Yeah. I like him as a player, but let's come on, man. Like it's, I, even his, like, I think they're, they're, and good for his agent. You always ask for the most, but the numbers they were talking about for a guy who's played 50 games in the NHL, like, but whoa. that's the, I don't know that that weight, that argument holds any weight because the, the Minnesota wild are offering it's oh, we're offering exclusively seven or eight year deals. They don't, they're telling you that they don't need to see more. That's the team telling you that. Oh, I understand it. That's okay. But Hey, Frank, are, are we going to sit here and like, do, do we want to go through the history of contracts that teams have signed on players that were long-term that did not come close to living up when I said, Hey man, mm, I don't think that's realistic. So just because the team wants to do it doesn't mean it's the right decision. And like, I like Kapril Kaprizov. And I think the one thing that he did that maybe is the most powerful thing he's done is he changed how I viewed the Minnesota wild. 
like how everyone was, viewed the entire and, league viewed the Minnesota. And Wild. so that that is important. There's no question about it. But like to to be a guy who's worth nine, ten, eleven million dollars, man, like you you gotta be you gotta be a close to a ninety point player in my eyes if you're an offensive guy, right? And so that's, that's a what big he did. Jump. That's a big jump he, for him to do. And we've seen he lots did of guys. it in one year. He he yeah. did that. He did the ninety point pace in one year. Yeah. Well, we'll see if he can, but you got to do it every year, Frank. Like there's lots of guys who have one year. But and then the thing they, is, he's not a 20 year old rookie though. I know he's 25 and has played eight years of professional hockey yeah. in the KHL. So to say that he can't come in and duplicate it again, I think, you know, a short sighted. Well, no, I, I think he can be an 80 point player. Do I think he can be a, a 95 to a hundred? Mm, it's going to be tough. I hope he is. Cause I love offense. Well, I what love I, offense, but, not only but that, I'm always but hesitant I, to, to anoint the next great score because it's so hard to do. But what I love about it, his game is that he's got the goal scoring part of it too. It's not all just assists. And that's, that's oh, yeah. also what's really difficult. Um, I, but I get it from, from their perspective in terms of their agency and, and, and how you look at this contract, because he's in a different spot than everyone kind of coming off that entry level deal. He is older. He's 24 mm-hmm. uh, turning 25 in April He's only a couple of years away from free agency. And not only that, like, you know, certain parts of the contract, you're going to have to pay UFA numbers. And, and that's really the difficulty of, of getting it done is what would that deal look like on the open market in two years? Yeah, no, it's fair. And then the other thing is always though, and I've talked to lots of players after you sign the big ticket, even though you tell yourself that, you know what, don't focus on it it becomes a big focal point and some guys yeah. can thrive under it and they don't care. And, and other players have, have had the weight of that big contract. You know, they, they go to the rink every day feeling like somehow they have to be more than they were. And that's, and that's a challenge for a lot of players, you know, Hey, I, I hope Capri, like I understand why Minnesota wants to sign him long-term. He's only 24 years of age. He's not signing a 28 year old where the last few years can be like, Ooh, geez. But you know, you're signing a 24 year old and even at eight years, he's 32, you know, guys, guys can still easily be in their prime at 32. I just, and he's a face of a franchise that has never really had an offensive player. So I get all of that. All I'm saying is for Kaprizov to be in the like top eight, top seven, like high paid guys, like that's asking a lot. And I just think, it, you know, you're, you're putting him in a pretty tough position, which is fine. I get why they do it. And, you know, all I'm saying is I, I, I hope that he that he matches up because right now the hype on Kaprizov is is extremely high I think and we've will. seen i know he's older but it takes a lot of guys a few years to figure out the league but the, there's a r- very rare talent that can come in and change your opinion of a team in one year when's the last guy that came in and did that well it's only because not my opinion just how i viewed the team because they were such a defensive boring team for decades so you know anybody that how had many guys seriously though how many guys come in and do that yeah well there's been a few a like four, a, it was a 40 goal pace last year yeah like obviously, you know, Ovechkin came in right away and, you know, knocked people off their seat. Obviously Crosby, you know, and those guys even did it at a higher level. And so um, you're, you're right. Minnesota was unique because there's very few franchises that have had that Jacques Lemaire cloud over them for as long right. as Minnesota. And, and that's not a disrespect the, and I know that That's just how they played and that's how you viewed them. And I know you're saying it in a lowercase fashion, but think about the, the names that you just mentioned that have had the same ability that he's had. To, to take you out of your seat. Yeah. But it's pretty. Yeah. I don't know if he has that other, like, I know a lot of people try to compare him to Panarin. That's an interesting one to me. Right. Because I remember when Panarin came in, people said, Oh, he only did it because of Kane. And I'm like, mm, 
I don't think so. Both elite players. And if you look at Patrick Kane's best offensive seasons came with Panarin because you put elite players together, you know, you create magic. So I, I you know, Kaprizov, does he have another running mate? Because that's the other thing, Frank, when you look at it, a lot of times you need a running mate to be an elite offensive guy. There's two. But that's why I think they, that's why I think they need to get this deal done. Yeah. Oh, they need to get the deal. I mean, what done, if but... you don't have what if you don't have Kaprizov this year? Then you go back to Tyler's buy or sell question. And you go, hmm, maybe that team misses the playoffs this year. Yeah. Oh no, trust me, they need him. Look, they There's got no 10, everyone it. thinks that this is an empty threat to go to the KHL. Like we they got 10, basically 10 days. Because that's when the KHL season starts. And I would bet my house that if there's no contract with the Minnesota wild, that he is playing in the KHL with an out clause to come back to the NHL okay. and pockets 2 million bucks in the month of September. Hey, whatever the him, number man, is. that's good money. I love it. I was like, anybody telling, everyone thinks money, that it's for just a, a, an empty threat. There's all like yeah. the clock is ticking. Like they've sort of got like four or five days to really even get a visa, a work visa in place with the Russian embassy to get him here for the start of training camp on September 24th. Yeah, well, they got a roll. They did get Fiala signed, so, uh, so that's one guy down. So uh, hopefully they got but the only money on to a one-year deal. So they're kicking the can down the road. But yeah, well, Frank, we will see you live in person next week. Uh, we won't have a Monday pod. Uh, Frank's traveling. Uh, coming, to coming to the YEG. So uh, you'll be in Edmonton. Uh, we'll have the pod. We got uh, two guests. We'll be doing that uh, next week. So I look forward to it. Yeah, I'll see you in person. It's been forever. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Saravali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.